Welcome to Talking Giants presented by DraftKings. And welcome to Freaking Draft Month. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. A lot to get to. Our first draft episode. Our first draft episode will be previewing 12 players from the edge position. Not necessarily the top 12, even though we are hitting the top of the class a little bit. Um, but 12 players. We're going to talk about John Mayer's uh, conversations and... We found our draft segment. We uh, we try to do a different type of draft segment uh, each year. And last year, we evaluated all of Dave Gettleman's Carolina Panthers draft classes since they all had hit the three-year rule. We're going to redraft the 2020 class. We're going to do... Uh, we have eight episodes before, ten picks. So we're going to do um, six picks. And then on the last two episodes, we will do two picks in the seventh round. Justin, how are you? 52 seconds and before I let you uh, talk. How are you doing? Uh- that's fine. It's uh, it's not like our interviews where I don't talk for the first ten minutes. Ooh, slight dig. How I'm good, Bobby Skinner. It's draft month. Uh, exciting, exciting times. Um, uh, for the Talking Giants crew, we have uh, I believe we're previewing 96 prospects. We put out a graphic that initially said 84, but I think it's 96 prospects. Plus, you're gonna have like 18 breakdowns on the Talking Giants YouTube. Uh, you just put out a mock draft on April 1st. Um, so I helped you out with those graphics. I helped you out producing the video. So Bobby, Sk- Bobby Skinner, Danny, Danny King's writing blogs too. Danny King's putting some awesome stuff on the, on the blog as well. So it's just us three, us three are providing, uh, you know, I, I would, I would say arguably some of the best, uh, content you can get for the NFL draft. And that has a giant spin to it. Bobby Skinner. I'm pumped. Got, got some other stuff to get to, but man, draft month. It's fun. I, it's, being a little overshadowed because of opening day being on April 1st uh, and just, you know, April April Fool's Day. It's, I, I, part of me loves it and part of me is like, it's just the same jokes every year. It's corny. Yeah, corny. Um, but it's draft month and this is the month, Justin, where every prospect's good. That's what's frustrating this time of year. Is when it's like, hey, I'm not a big fan of who everyone says is the fourth wide receiver. It's like, oh my gosh, you're it's like, you know, like, this time of year, Justin, everyone in round one to round three is going to be a stud. Like, Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Rashad Bateman, Deami Brown, Rondale Moore, Elijah Moore. They're all There's going to one be player. stud wide receiver ones. Every single one of them. <laughs> There's one player <laughs> that is an exception to this rule, and I know you know who it is. Who is it? It's Gregory Rousseau. Yes, Rousseau is the only one. <laughs> Russo, and who, that's who we're going to kick our draft month off of because it is an interesting conversation about Russo because there is, I think it's I think it's in the middle, you know, where it's like you know, the hype for him. We'll, we'll save it for when we talk about him. Right, right. But you're right. But by saying, and you know, we were talking like before the show and we were like, oh, we should save this conversation. This is this is tough. Uh, now, I think Bobby's full time and Bobby's known for the for the film stuff. So. You know, and he's he's definitely just more smarter than I am when it comes to the X's and O's of the game. So it's a little bit easier on him, but it's even harder on him. Well, frankly, it's more harder on him because he has more of a following than I do. It's but it's go ahead. It it's hard on it's hard on both of us because we're fans that are talking about football players, and inevitably we have a little bit more of a following than than we did last year. You know, compared to this time. So 
you know, if, if we don't like somebody, which, by the way, spo- uh, I'll just say it right now, because of this, I have a Cold Stone Creamery scale that I'm going to be evaluating my college prospects on this year. Like it, love it, gotta have it. I love it. So I got, I love, I love your, I love it. I love, I love it. I don't gotta have your scale, but I love it. There you go. So uh, I'm doing that because I don't, you don't want to hate anybody. And I also think, I don't, I also don't think I'm smart enough to hate on anybody. Um, but it's, it's challenging. It's a challenging thing to evaluate these guys, uh, because so much of Twitter is if you don't like somebody, oh, you, you, you're, you're wrong. Oh, this guy's a stud. This guy's gonna be a stud. This guy's gonna be a stud. So, it's fun though. This is a very, very fun month um, because it is so nuanced. Yep, every QB is going to be, you know, awesome. It's the best. We're not going to see a QB class like this, you know, like you know, you can't, you know, like <laughs> I just remember the Haskins draft class and watching him. It's like, what are people seeing? Like, what are people seeing? Um, and it's, again, you're not allowed to say anybody's bad unless unless the entire group think says it's bad. And it is stressful because one, we're not scouts, you know, like right. You know, you're not a scout. I'm not a scout. And on top of that, the scouts kind of suck at this. You know, <laughs> like they're they're so wrong all the time. Like they suck at it. Um, you know, so we, we do our best, but it's like it is a stressful time. It's it's it feels great when it's done because you do feel accomplished. And the reason that we do watch the film and stuff is because hey, we want our takes to not be formed by other people. You know. I'm not going to just go through the through the you know the Daniel Jeremiah or the you know Todd McShay thing and just read those and, and read them. So, anyways, long story short, it's a fun, stressful month, but I wouldn't have I wouldn't want it any other way. Justin, so we're gonna hit the edge. Uh, pre we do the uh, the the player previews in the second half of the episode. Got some stuff to clean up though. John Merritt talked to the media, talked to the New York Post and to the media. Basically, said the same things in both both. Um, there's two things I found interesting. One, the where he basically admitted it's like, hey, we're really banking on the cap going up big time in 2022, mm-hmm. where they have a, a lot of money, you know, just you know, into into like six players. And then two, it's time to win. John Mayer's, you know, usually he kind of evades that. He's like, I always, I always, you know, plan to win. But he's like, hey, we spent all this money. It's time to win. And I think we all feel that way. It's time to win. No more excuses. It is time to be a winning team. Not a, you know, hoping Nate Sud, you know, if, if not a, you know, we make, we win the division at six and 10 because of the Eagles beating Washington. Cause I saw, you know, like Carl Banks be like, oh, well, they were, you know, a, a, a Sudfield situation away from winning the division. It's like, no, they were uh, a game away from winning the division. They should have won more games in an already bad division. Right. So, but it, long story short, it's time to win. And I think that should be the expectations for every Giants fan. It is time to win. You know, one of the refreshing things hearing John Maris speak this time around is that we didn't need to hear John Maris' words to understand what the message was. Usually, I have a desire, especially me as a fan. I'm, a, you know, we're re- I'm a regular season ticket holder. You know, we we put out a lot of money to buy those seats, and especially for those people, my father put out the initial money for the PSLs. You know, <laughs> we we want to hear from the owner. And especially in past years, there has been a great de- desire to hear where is John Mara's brain at? Where is his brain at? Where Where is his mindset at? This year, 
I didn't feel the need to hear him. I was actually asking myself, well, why are we hearing from John Mayer? This is kind of weird. Why did he have a one-on-one interview with the Post, with this columnist I've never heard of, but clearly he's been around for a long time, so he has some sort of connection with John Mayer? Why why was this happening? And the, the press conference itself happened because of the owners' meetings and 17th game, and uh, there was a question that was asked about international play, too, which was kind of interesting. But the actions that the Giants took this offseason in terms of the investments and the guys that they put their that they put their money in, they put their investments in, that is the message to the fans that say that we as a franchise, we are believing in what's happening here. We didn't I didn't need to hear John Maris say it. It was with the actions which they took this offseason, particularly in the free agency, that made me say that. And you want to know what? That makes me feel really good as a fan. That actions are now speaking louder than their words after losing football. Correct, correct. It's it's time to roll, man, and he he's echoing it. Um, the like I said, the other interesting thing was like, hey, they are banking on the cap going up. So, you know, the the hubbub made before free agency of like they they don't you know they don't they don't realize that the it's like they do realize and they and they that's the way they did yeah. things. Um, also taking a risk. They're taking a risk with some injury, oh, yeah. injured players. You know, we talked about with Dan on Tuesday. This was not the approach last year. The approach changed. You know, you get a guy like Galladay who's missing, and I'm not, I'm not mad at it. It is risky. You know, a guy like Adore, Kyle Rudolph with the foot. Like they took chances on guys with injuries. So it's going to be interesting to see how it works out. And you know, it's, it's, and those can't be used as excuses. You know, if we're lo- a losing team next year, and it's like, hey. Galday, well, Galday got hurt and Shep got hurt and Adore. It's mm-hmm. like, well, guess what? You guys are the ones that brought those guys in. So there is no yep. excuses for not winning in 2021. We feel like we got a good uh, head coach, good defensive coordinator. Offensive coordinator is, well, it can't be as bad as last year. So we think about it every day. It can't be as bad <laughs> as last year. Um, so it's it's time to win for the New York Giants. Yeah. But stop. It's April 1st. I don't want to hear. Uh... There's no excuse for people getting hurt. I don't want to hear it. It's April 1st. It's draft month. Um, In a matter of, what, 28 days, the New York football Giants are going to vastly improve as a football team, and I'm very excited for it. Very excited. Other uh, news and notes. OTAs. They're going to have OTAs this offseason. How about that? Whoa! When did that come out? Today? A couple days ago. No one was talking about it. It was weird. I guess it's because no one cares about OTAs like we do. Oh, I do. But they... It's not going to like they they it's not a hundred percent, but basically they're saying like prepare to do OTAs, you know, on April nineteenth when those start. You know, they didn't do the first year coach extra um, portion of them, um, which sucked that we didn't get to do last year. But they're basically like, hey, we made the the meetings maybe virtual, but be ready for on field OTAs, which is exciting. Yeah, um, it's it's a I I love covering OTAs. It's very fun. Mm-hmm. I um, agree. So that that's fun. Other news and notes: The Giants signed three players. Cornerback uh, Josh Kolu, three years with the Titans, 130 defensive snaps, 493 special teams. Cornerback Chris Milton, five years with the Titans and the Colts, 185 defensive snaps and a thousand special team snaps. And then tight tight end Cole Hukatu Hukatuni, mm. two I years past two years with the Cowboys on the practice squad, which means one year with Jason Garrett. And then he had two catches for the 49ers in 2017. Both uh, versus NFCs. One versus the Eagles and one versus the Cowboys. Both for first downs on third down. Obviously, we're not going to really talk about these guys. But it's interesting that they're filling out the roster so much before the draft. Because right now they're at 83 players. Which you got six draft picks. That's 89. You got to assume they're going to bring in about 
16 to 20 undrafted free agents. So once the draft's over, they're going to have to cut 15 to 20 people probably. Yeah. Yeah. Cause what the, the cap is 90, 91. Yeah. 90, 91. 90 if you include a, a Sandro Platzkammer. Ah, he's still around. I love it, but he doesn't count against the actual roster. So, you know, you know, there are people that actually want him to get like actual carries in a football game. There Remember, are those people that exist in the world. Remember, we had an inside source when we did our undrafted free agent episode. We had someone who actually watched him play and made him fumble twice. My teammates yes. in college, remember that? Speaking of inside source, I work very closely with Z- with Zach Fulton's roommate at Tennessee. Very nice. And you said he you sent him my film breakdown, which is always makes me uncomfortable when it's like I should have asked watched. you first. I got too excited. I should have asked you. No, you can do. Hey, we're real, you know. But it is always kind of weird. When it's like this player watched it, like okay, one of the I'll I'll one of the free agents said like I saw I watched your film break. Now it was positive, so it was good. But it, like it yeah. is kind of weird when that happens. Um, I mean, you you name search Zach Fulton on YouTube, the first thing that comes up is talking Giants. So yeah, I mean, no one else is doing film breakdown of Zach Fulton, and that's why we're talking. That's why I was talking Giants versus the world, baby. All right, the segment we're doing for draft this year. Uh, it's we try and do a new a different segment to kind of keep the mind sti- uh, stimulated throughout the draft, and it highlights the draft process. Like I said in the beginning, last year, last year's was fun. Last year's was stressful and fun, though. We went through all of Dave Gettleman's uh, draft class and like graded them, which was pretty interesting, you know. And we like you, we learned. I you you go through them, and I look I literally look at them every year. But when you actually sit down and write and take notes on them, you learn like okay, Dave Gettleman doesn't really care about seventh-round picks. You know, he only had four seventh-round picks um, or two seventh-round picks his entire time in Carolina, even though he had four this past season. Um, so, and, you know, it's like, look, he traded Yedem, or, or seventh-round pick for Isaac Yedem, so he doesn't care about seventh-round picks. Not afraid to double-dip at positions, you know? like You know so- what's crazy about that, though, this year? Where I'm glad we did that last year. We're not doing that this year because is Joe Judge's footprint not – so 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 stamped on this team especially now with bringing in so many injured guys when i i will say you know dave this is some this is a scenario where the dave gettleman quote matches the dave gettleman philosophy not sometimes the opposite right where dave gettleman will say one thing and then do the exact opposite the dave gettleman quote that matches the philosophy is the injured players that was a thing and i mean we covered that with dan duggan uh john mary even answered a question about it but i'm so glad that we did that last year because I think looking at Dave Gettleman's past draft classes would be almost irrelevant this year with Joe Judge's footprint is clearly stamped on the team. Remember last year how we were asking like, ooh, is it? it? How much influence does he have? I think this free agency is like, yes, it does. He yeah. is having a great impact. Yeah, they're definitely working together more than, you know, Gettleman did with with Shermer and Betcher. Um, they're, they're clearly working together. So this year, what I decided to do I thought about doing 2018 and 19 too, but I figured let's stick to 2020 and, and so we don't have to spend you know 20 minutes on this segment. Let's redraft the 2020 draft class. There's 10 picks. We got uh, eight episodes. So like I said, we'll do first round, one episode, second round, and then the the last two episodes we'll do the four seventh round picks. Redrafting. I think it. I think it's a fun exercise, and I feel like it, it kind of gives you like a mind a look into the draft where it's like, hey, we get all these expectations and we put together our top 10. And look how it pans out. So, 
This one we're going to do, and we're going to look at what our mocks were for last year. How about that? Our final mocks were last year. Oh, so I through, didn't know that. So, fourth overall pick last year. The Giants had the fourth overall pick. Um, you know, went Burrow, Chase Young, Jeff Okuda. And also, I cheated on, like, I've already put mine together. Like, Tay Crowder, I'm not going to take Tay Crowder quicker than, earlier than Mr. Irrelevant, because I know I can get him at Mr. Irrelevant. Sure. You know? So, yeah. I t- t- spoiler alert for the last episode, Tay Crowder will be my Mr. Irrelevant. Um, so Justin, last year, myself and the New York Giants picked Andrew Thomas. You picked Jedrick Wills. Yeah. What are you picking this year? What this you, is kind you of go back hindsight. What what are we doing? Jordan Love. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of a, a a wild hot take, but I'm gonna go here. Did you peek at Justin Herbert? Yes, but I can't have the same. I can't have the take of we didn't give Daniel Jones a fair shake in 2020 while also picking while also going back and repicking Justin Herbert under the same breath. I agree. Um, you know they both had very similar rookie seasons, um, and people hated Herbert. And I think a lot of it had to do with Oregon's offense. And it's like I I wouldn't want to put him in basically the same offense with like so. So I agree. Uh, Daniel Jones I think deserves this year. So I I wasn't going Herbert either because Herbert just doesn't have that year. I think Herbert could have had that year in twenty the twenty nineteen Giants the twenty twenty Giants. He's just not having that, right? But I did. Pe- hear- I did peek about it and think about it. Yeah, I, I I thought about it, but also like I feel like I would be I would be a fraud if I like oh Justin Herbert would have fixed the twenty twenty Giants when it, it's, it's it's exactly what you just said and we t- and we we talked about that all year. I don't think any. I, I think very few quarterbacks could thrive in what was given to the Giants quarterback in twenty twenty. Very few quarterbacks could thrive under that. So I kind of want. I kind of if I could go back in time. I would go back and I would take somebody who would very much help Daniel Jones. I think I would take Justin Jefferson. Mm, pretty interesting. Interesting. There's four people on my board. Justin Jefferson is one of them. Here's the thing is I'm looking at the hindsight now and being like we have Kenny Galladay now though. Like I'm taking that right. I'm taking that into in in, in in fact like I'm I'm factoring that in. It's like we have Kenny Galladay right now. So that's interesting. I did look. I did look at. So your final answer is Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Now let now let's be let's make this clear. You know, I'm I'm very happy that we have a left tackle, and I I think that positional value left tackle is still important here. But just looking at the type of rookie season that Justin Jefferson did have, um, with with so many targets, you know, technically coming into the season being the number two weapon in Minnesota's offense, and Minnesota's offense is kind of a run first team to to begin with and to start um to have a 70% catch rate um for your rookie year it, it was it was very much I think it was better production wise than Odell Beckham Jr's rookie season cuz especially Odell missed a quarter of the season so um the va- the re- reason why you go Jefferson now hindsight yes we have Galladay Justin Jefferson would be here for 5 years and he's here on the cheap and then we're talking about this offseason being happy with Sewell or Slater possibly falling to 11 at left tackle, but then we're playing the what if game, if that even happens and then possibly even trading up. So Justin Jefferson would be the guy that I would retake though. If I knew, if I knew the future. Okay. So I have to go left tackle 2020. It was already a train wreck. I mean, it would have been, it would have been brutal without a left tackle. Yeah. And I know Andrew Thomas did have his struggles, but Having a left tackle is so important, and we have one right now. We have one in Andrew Thomas. Um, 
But looking back, there was there was a, a very nice left tackle class, which I think is much not much better, but it's better than this year's class with Sewell and Slater and and Jenkins. So, not going Wills. Wills Wills isn't a, isn't a thought for me. So I got Andrew Thomas, Makai Becton, and Tristan Wirfs. If Becton was an injury prone, I would run to the I would run and run to the whatever you call it and be like Makai Becton is my pick. But he had three injuries this year, man. Yep. Three injuries. That's worrisome. The guy, I mean, he had he was he got hurt three times. You know, got you know, got hurt, came back, got hurt, came back, and then the last game of the season he left with an ankle injury. Um so I'm not taking Beckton. So now it's between Worfs and Thomas. Now Worfs had the much better year. But him playing one right tackle and then two for Tom Brady, it really does make a difference. Your plays that you mess up don't get noticed. There's plays that you don't that you mess up that don't get noticed when you're one like I said one on the play side and then two have Tom Brady as your QB, um, and I think Andrew Thomas's like upside is bigger than Tristan Wirfs. You know, like I think he's he's the most athletic. Oh, I believe in do Andrew it. Thomas, man. You're gonna do it. I I think I'm going. I'm, I'm sticking with my guns. I'm going Andrew Thomas. I I I think he had the most room to grow out of last year's class. On top of all, having the best college production, I'm staying with Thomas, man. I mean, I like I said, I think Tristan Wirfs playing right tackle and having Tom Brady as QB helps him. Look at him when he played Khalil Mack. I mean, Mack made him look silly, you know. Um, so I, there's times where you know there's plays where hey, if Thomas, if if the you know like the game against the Cardinals, if Tom Brady is, is his QB. He probably doesn't give up a sack in that game, you know, and that's, that's real, you know, yeah. where the ball's out quicker. He's stepping, he's not, you know, floating in the pocket. Um, so again, like in a lot of times you look at even, even with Makai Becton, it's it, Makai Becton. It was the exact opposite than Tristan Wirfs. It's like Makai Becton could have gave up a sack on this play, but the right side sucked so bad. And Sam Donald had already scrambled for like two <laughs> seconds. So it wasn't a sack. Um, so so if Beckton was healthy, I would run to the clock or the, to the to the draft table and and pick it. But I'm I'm sticking with my guns, man. I'm going I'm going Andrew Thomas. Do you think that's crazy to not go to Worfs over Thomas? A lot of people are going to find it crazy, but also remember the draft takes, and this is all part of the whole draft take thing, right? Remember the draft takes we were having about Tristan Worfs, Bobby. Both of us thought that he was more suited at guard, and a lot guard. of smart people thought that he was more suited at guard. Yeah, I didn't think he. I I wasn't a I wasn't a Worfs fan last year, which is funny looking back, and you're hearing the same things being said about Rashawn Slater, who was my, who was you know I I planted my flag in the ground today. I yeah. want Slater at pick eleven. Um, it's funny. I really wanted uh Worfs to go to Arizona because I wanted him to see him play guard because he was such an athlete. I wanted him to see play guard in like that outside zone running scheme. But for whatever reason, Arizona in, in 2020 decided, hey, we are going to go from the team that uses outside zone the most to the team that uses outside zone the least. It was one of the more crazy turnarounds <laughs> in an offensive scheme. Um, but that's what I was rooting for. I was rooting worse. I want you to go to Arizona because I want to see you out in space uh, because typically NFL teams don't give their linemen a lot of opportunity to go out in space and to and to just mash dudes out there. Um, so that, that was like the pre-draft take that a lot of people had. and. Lo and behold, Tristan Wirfs, not just considered arguably the best rookie tackle out of that class, but the, one of the best right tackles in the National Football League. Go figure. How about that? How about that? So, pick pick uh, fourth overall, 
kicking off the 2020 draft. I got it. I'm sticking with Thomas. Justin is going with Justin Jefferson. I just realized you had the first, same first names too. How about that? All right, Bobby, before we get into this year's edge rusher draft class, we got to talk about draft Kings, grab your peanuts and popcorn because baseball is back, a man of the 1920s said. That's right, teams will be getting back out on the diamond this week. Last year's season sure was different, but that doesn't mean it lacked excitement, and this year is poised to be even better. DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting you on the field with a chance to turn $1 into $100. It's easy. Place a $1 bet on the team of your choice to win their next game, and if your team records a hit in any point in the game you collect $100 in free bets that's 101 odds on the team of your choosing if they record a hit in their next game also something really fun and interesting draft uh, DraftKings is doing this year uh, John Boy has like specific centered props and bets that you can bet on you can bet on the there's like a rating that John Boy made up about like pitchers innings pitched uh, strikeouts runs allowed so you can bet on John Boy specific prop bets if you want for each day, opening week, and throughout the MLB season, so that's kind of cool. Maybe we can do something similar for football, like with Daniel Jones' explosive plays, Saquon Barkley' explosive plays. That would be fun. That's a fun prop bet. And the way that you can bet on these things is you can download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOHNBOY when you sign up to turn $1 into $100. If the baseball team you're choosing records a hit, that's code JOHNBOY to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. Minimum $5 deposit. New customers only. Winnings will be paid out as four $25 bets. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT-TA. Come on. Pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. It's time, Bobby Skinner. It's time. Let's get into the draft preview. Justin. First of all, look at my draft guide so far. I got close to wow. close to ninety done. We're gonna do the edge class. It's a weird year for the edge for the and the New York Giants, Justin, because it is, I think, our weakest group. Our weakest group. Now, I think offensive line is a bigger need, but edge is the weakest group for the New York Giants. But this is it's a weak year for the edge class. It's a weak year, uh, and I think. The guys that are looked at at the top of the class are guys where it's like they have ability, but they need to put it together. They have ability, they need to put it together. Or there's other guys like, hey, they have good pass rush ability, but they don't have the athleticism and stuff like that. Um, so it's, it's a very interesting class. Justin, are you ready to kick it off? I'm ready to kick it off. Bobby, I even feel like this is just a weak defensive class overall. I definitely feel like this, you know, we, we, go, we look at wide receiver – you know, we talk about the tackles at the top. There's even some good guards that you can get in round two and round three, maybe. Um, but overall, you feel a lot more, you feel a lot better about the potential or even just what you can get out of these offensive players right now versus defensive. This is definitely an offensive heavy draft. So this is going to be fun to see how it actually falls, where our team's just going to invest in offense and just take the best player available. Or is it going to be a rush to take the best defensive players and hope the offensive players fall? So, edge rusher. Big position in need for the Giants. Who are you going with first, Bobby? Let's talk about the most um, contra- maybe the most controversial player in this draft that's not a quarterback. Gregory Rousseau. Gregory Rousseau, so, the edge out of Miami. We're actually going to be talking about three Miami guys in, in a 12-player episode. Six foot five, 250 pounds, opted out of 2020. Opted out of 2020 was looked at at the top of the class after 2019 having 54 tackles, 15 and a half sacks, 19 and a half tackles for loss, 
That's elite production at the college level. Elite. He had the second most sacks in the college football to Chase Young. Here's the thing. A lot of that production didn't come in the typical Chase Young edge way. It came from playing inside. From playing from guard and looping around. Or just beating guys inside. Um, but he's also only played one year of defensive end. You know, like he was a wide receiver of safety in high school. And they came to Miami as that. And they moved in the defensive end. So he's an extremely raw player. Raw player. Can look like a baby deer out there at some times. He's, you know, very tall and lanky. Um, but he does have awesome traits. He has awesome traits. In a year where, you know, there's not an edge guy that is a, like a can't miss player. So I see why people like him. And I see why people don't like, don't like him. Because like the stats don't match up to what the guy on film looks like. Um, I think he's got crazy like agility and lateral ability. And, you know, the fact that I would rather his like numbers come like as a true edge. But I don't view it as like a total negative that he got them, you know, from like, you know, uh, slanting and, and, and looping and stuff. It shows good agility and ability to jump through gaps. Long arms, long arms with strength to keep guys off him. He's got the strength. Um, he's able to bench, bench offensive alignment off at, at, at times. Not great get off. Plays into the offensive alignment sometimes. You know, where it's like he just kind of like almost will win the battle for the offensive alignment at times by playing into them. Um, so he needs to get off them and, and punch um, and stop being so like reading, you know, what the QB is doing and the running backs doing and just kind of know your role and go. Um, misses tackles can be slow to react at times. Um, but in this class, man, he's he's one for me. And I know people hate him. I know he's if, if you're saying I need an edge rusher to play for me tomorrow, Gregory Russo wouldn't be it. But if there's a guy in this draft that I'm taking a chance at 11, and I'm not. I don't want Gregory Russo at 11. There's five, six other players that could be there that I would take over Russo. But if there was one guy that take a chance on, this would be it. This would be it. I don't think he doesn't have Jason Pierre-Paul athleticism, but it is similar where it's like, hey, this guy's new to the position. He's got like this athletic freak. Um, so I and I just I feel like he can be worked with, and if he's got that mindset of a guy who wants to be worked with, I th- like I think the sky's the limit for him, and I think he's the. I really think him and Jalen Phillips, who has a lot of injury issues, are the only two guys in this edge class where it's like we might look at them like they're dominant. Jason Oway out of Penn State, who we'll talk about, could be fall into that for me. But there's guys who I think are safer that just don't have the ceiling that Russo have. So I would not be mad at taking a chance on Russo. It'd be risky. It'd be very risky. Um, and like I said, there's five, you know, Slater, Waddle, Smith, Parsons, uh, even JOK. There's a lot of guys I would take before Russo. But if there's one edge... Or it's like, screw it, let's just take a chance at 11. I think Russo is it. I think Russo would be it. The only thing is, so much of the production came from the inside versus the outside. Like, he, he's, he's not, most of his production came as like, an, not, in, not an interior defensive lineman. That's not what I'm saying, because he's not. But from when he was rushing the inside, that is the only... Really, if, if his production came on the outside, then it's like, yes, this dude had put like up insane production, Chase Young-like production. Let's get him to rush the passer from the outside because that's what you want your edge to do. But he can't do that at the pro level, rush the passer from the inside like he did at college. I don't think he can. No, because you you, the guards are way more athletic than they are. So you're not drafting him to be like, all right, do the same thing you did at Miami. 
You're drafting him like, dude, this guy's played one year of defensive end. One year. And I hate that he opted out. He, you know, we actually talked about him in our little mini uh, offseason, uh, you know, way too early draft preview. And he yep. was the guy for me. It's like, I want to see, I, I need to see him put it together for this year, though, because a lot of it came from the inside. Like, I was excited about him, but it's like, he's got to put it together better. And he, and opting out, I think, hurts him more than any other player that opted out. I really do. Um, so people hate Russo. I don't, I don't hate him. I, if there's one guy I'm taking a chance on, it's Gregory Russo. Maybe Jalen Phillips, who you know you're going to talk about because of if you're taking a chance on him not being injured. But I don't. I I, I won't. I won't. I like Russo. I, I I'm sorry. I I, I like Russo. We want to know why people don't like Russo because he was the one name that was, and I say linked to the Giants by not anybody legitimate. I'm just saying people were talking about what are the Giants going to do at 11. Some people said, what about Gregory Rousseau? And more than a few people said it. And that's why people don't like Gregory Rousseau. Because he's not, I don't think he's worth the pick at 11. And that w- that has already been a conversation. So that's why people don't like him. People are like, no, we don't like him. And that's why. And I, I get, like, I kind of agree with that. Like, I, I mean, I mean, I said it. I don't want him at 11. I don't want. It would be... Out of all the realistic options, it would be the one where it's like, oh boy, like this, this, this could end up bad, but it also could be, it could be another, like, we look at it from a year and a half from now and be like, look at you Giants fans. You got all, you got all mad on draft night. And now this guy's a stud. Like I can see that happening, but I also think like Slater, I'm celebrating Michael Parsons. I'm celebrating. Um, of one of those wide receivers, I'm celebrating. Um, Russo, I'm not celebrating that pick. It's a very risky pick. If Micah Parsons makes the magical transition to edge rusher, like a lot of people say that he can, um, who do you think right now is a better is a better pass rusher, Micah Parsons or Gregory Russo? I don't think Micah Parsons is moving the edge. Micah Parsons, I I would take Micah Parsons every day of the week over over mm. Russo. Do you think he's a better pass rusher, or is that like, or is that not even worth be. the conversation? I think he can't be. He can be. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, all right, Justin. Who is first on your list? First on my list from the University of Georgia, Aziz Ojulari. In 2020, he had 12 and a half tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks, a total of 31 tackles, 22 solo, and nine assists. Bobby Skinner, I break. I like to break up my my evaluations into kind of three categories: the plus, plus, the plus, and the minus. And then like I give some love overall it, thoughts. Have it. Well, like it, love it, gotta have it. That's gonna be my overall my my rating. That's uh, that's that's last. Don't rush the don't don't rush the process. Burst speed and quickness. He wins his battles sometimes with his first step. There's a, I feel like a lot of my guys. At least I've you know six guys on my list. A lot of the guys on my list they have some commonalities between them. They have some similarities. And they have a very, very good burst, and they have a very, very good first step. I feel like Ojulari has the best burst in this draft class. He is the quickest off the line, um, and he sometimes will win battles. Like we will win his pass rushing battles with his first swept with with this first step. His hand swipe, swap, chop, whatever you want to call it, the, the, the way that you're swipe, able he loves to. It. Yeah, the two hand swipe. Um, AJ Epinesa was the best player at this last year. Um, and I think Ojulari may be the best at it this year, just to have a little bit of similarity. Now, uh, Epineza was very reliant on that. I don't think Ojulari is reliant on it because he complements that with his speed. 
very aggressive when slash if he has he has some momentum getting to the quarterback, meaning when he doesn't allow a lineman to get uh, close to him or get engaged with him, he plays with some really unique aggression to get back there. He even embraces contact in the run game when a pulling guard is coming across the line of scrimmage took over the Alabama and Auburn games, and especially versus Alabama. He performed well when the game still mattered. Similar to Andrew Thomas, I'm moving to my plus category. Similar to Andrew Thomas, and obviously they come from the same school, a really high-character guy. He was the first freshman named a captain during the Kirby Smart era. The length and athleticism is what you want out of an edge guy in today's game. He has the speed to chase down plays as a backside defender or chase down ball carriers across the field. JPP 2011-like. Now, there's two other guys on my list that are better at chasing down defenders and chasing down plays from the other side of the field, but Ojulari, when he does decide to give the effort and when he when he feels like he can chase guys down, um, it's pretty fun to watch. He has a decent amount of coverage snaps under his belt as well, versatility that's re- that really fits the Patrick Graham uh, uh, scheme, keeps tackles off balance in terms of altering his attack, rushing the passer. Now, this is the minus category, lack of size, lack of size, lack of size. The play strength is, is a concern at the pro level. When NFL linemen get their hands on him, uh, it's particularly by his breastplate, it'll be tough for him to move guys or shed blocks that way. He doesn't have diversity of pass rush moves. Now, he altered he alters his pass rushing attack, but I don't know if he has the diversity of a lot of different moves like the swim and the rip. Um, but I ultimately think that's all negated with the timing of his moves and his speed. So I don't really consider that to be a major concern. Overall, this is Ojulari is an exciting prospect to me, um, considering that there really isn't a clear number one edge rusher in this draft. Um, I think he's the best speed rusher in this draft, without a doubt. And on my Coldstone Creamery scale, Ojulari is a uh, love it. Not gotta have it. He is a love it, but he's very close to gotta have it. Yeah, he is a. Per- you mentioned he is a perfect scheme for Patrick Graham. Where he you know can drop back in the coverage, um, he's a willing run to like if if I think he can get moved off his spot, but like you mentioned, to get pull against pulling player like players, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna put everything into it, and he's gonna stop a puller in his tracks, yeah. even if it's a guy like Deontay Brown. Um, like I said, good like you said, good not great athlete, and and loves that two hand swipe. What worries me is he played good versus Alabama. But when he was just lined up versus Leatherwood, it's like okay, rush against Leatherwood. I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't a big fan of it. And then you look at him versus Florida. Uh, I forget their left tackle's name. I, I need to watch him. Um, Brandon Thorne was talking about him. Like he kind of handled him too. So that's what worries me. Is like the good tackles played well against him. But he is a scheme fit. He's versatile, and you can do a lot of different things with him. So. I think out of like the guys who were could be in the first round, he would be the one that is like, okay, I, I get that makes sense for the New York Giants to make uh, to pick that guy. Um, yep. So, but uh, I have I don't put this on on a lot of guys. I have a bullet point on Aziz that could be a bust. I could see him just being like, just he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't excel at anything in the draft in the draft. But then I can also see him like if he gets better and works some real pass rush moves, I'm like, oh wow, this is a this is a great pick. Is a player comp um, Calivion Chasen? No, because Chason Chason was like speed, 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 go, go, speed, speed, rush around the edge type guy. Um, where Rousseau is or Rousseau Ojolari's he's a, he's a good athlete, not a, like a great athlete like Chason is, and I, he's way more diver, he's a way more versatile player than Chason is. Okay, all right, cool. Uh, so Aziz Ojulari, we could go back to back Georgia guys in the first, actually back to back to back Georgia guys in the first round. Cause DeAndre Baker was a first wow. round pick. 
Yeah, he's he was on the we team lo- for for. A we hot love sec. our dogs. We love our dogs, and we love them in the first round. Um, all right, Justin. Next, I like this guy. I like him. If like I said, you know, when I said with Gregory Russo, it's like, hey, am I picking him tomorrow to come in and impact my team right away? The guy who I would probably it's Quiddy Pay. Quiddy Pay, edge out of Michigan, six foot four, two hundred seventy two pounds. Um, now only played four games in twenty twenty. Because of, of the Big Ten. 16 tackles, 2 sacks, 4 for a loss. In 2019 and 12 games, had 50 tackles, 6.5 sacks, 12.5 for a loss. His strength and leverage is beautiful. It's beautiful. It is by far his best traits. That he is one, he gets off the ball quick, he is very strong, and he stays low. He'll pop a tackle and move his ass. He wins with his strength and leverage, you know. Um... I mean, like I said, he has this the strength to bull rush, dump, and just rip through offensive linemen. Just rip through them. Always has the leverage. Always wins with leverage and has good hand placement. Good, good get off off the line of scrimmage too. You know, he's not uh, he's not going to be late off the ball. I don't think he has like elite speed off the ball, but he, he's never going to be late off the ball. Can win with the initial rip. He needs a counter move desperately though. He needs a counter desperately because he is simply bull rush. Me be strong. Go. Like, that's that's Quiddy Pay. He needs to learn some pass rush moves, and that's a theme for this draft class big time. He needs to w- learn uh, learn some moves. Um, you could play all over the D-line. You know, you could put him at edge. You can, you know, line him up at, uh, inside the tackle. So you could play him all over the D-line. Um, very good run de- defender. He's not uh, – offensive linemen aren't going to move him. He's not going to give up ground in the, in the run game. Um, uh, sometimes has a hard time tracking the runner. Um Good lateral uh, agility, and I, and but he's he's played with his hand in the dirt for the most part at Michigan. Um, so Quiddy Pay is a guy who comes in like I could see, I could see Joe Judge and Patrick Graham be, like watching him and being like I love this guy because he kind of does everything that they like. Yeah, versatile versatility is the name of the game for edge rushers. They would ra- they would rather take a guy that's versatile and better playing both ways versus a guy that's just good at getting to the quarterback, which is definitely a more valuable thing for an edge rusher to do. Bobby, do you feel like Pay is a guy who I've seen pretty consistently ranked as the number one edge rusher in this draft class, but also I haven't seen a lot of analysis on him. Like I see him ranked as number one, but in terms of like the draft heads and the guys that usually make the clips and they cut up film, I don't like I see Phillips a ton. I see Rousseau. I see I've even seen Asai coming up recently, which I'm gonna do him next. You know, I don't see a lot of work being done on pay. Why do you why do you think this is? Or is it just kind of like random? I don't know. That's a good question, because you're right. Um and you know, and it's funny because, you know, we are not watching college football. Like we watch some college football in the off and during the season, Justin, but it's like me you me and you were both not like tuning into like, all right, let's watch college football all day. Um, but from my casual college football watching, Pay was a guy who got my, you know, caught my eyes. Like, I remember, like, specifically being out at the beach in the camper. Oh, I can't wait to get back out there. And having the bunny ears and putting on ABC and watching Quiddy Pay versus Minnesota. So, I, I like Pay a lot. Um, but I agree. Like, some people have him ranked number one, and you just don't see anybody talking about him. I have him ranked number two. But, yeah, you just don't see anybody talking about him, which is kind of weird. All right, ready to move to next on my list? Let's move next to your list on your list. Who I I like this guy a lot. Yeah, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. He's my 
Ojo Larry is my favorite player. I think he's going to be the best player. But you know what? It wouldn't shock me to see this guy being the best player. But I enjoyed watching this guy the most out of everybody. Joseph Asai, 6'4", 256 pounds from the University of Texas. Um, 20, I'm going to read off some of his 2020 numbers too. He did play a different kind of a different position in 2019 because he was an interior linebacker in 2020. He moved full time to being an edge or 2019. He was like an off ball linebacker slash pass rusher. What the, the, the term, which nobody really knows what it means. Off ball linebacker. It's back, baby. That's how you know it's draft season. 20, uh, 2019, 90 total tackles, 13 and a half for loss, five sacks, 2020 as a full time edge rusher, 55 tackles, 15 and a half for loss, five and a half sacks. He even had two interceptions in 2019. So Joseph Asai, uh, I watched uh, the Texas versus TCU game and the 2019 Alamo Bowl where he was the MVP. Pretty sure he had 17 QB pressures that game. Um, plus, plus, motor and the want to hit hard. Willing to sacrifice his body, it's very unique, and it makes him so fun to watch. There aren't guys who play with like that blatant disregard to their body Osai does, and it's really, it's like watching a player from a different era. I wish we had access to the player tracking data um, of these players too. You know, I don't know, do college players wear like the GPS tracking data? I'm sure they do in the school, have, the schools have access for it. Do you have an answer? If any school did, it'd be Texas because they're freaking rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no kidding. Um, because I would like to see how many yards he ran per game, chasing down every play. Bobby, every you know, I, I mentioned play. <laughs> I mentioned Ojulari. You know, he has the speed to do it, but Osai, every single play, it does not matter if he is the backside defender. It doesn't matter if if there's like a thirty yard pass play that goes down the field. Osai is chasing down every single play, and there is a. And I said it earlier. I'm gonna. I need to emphasize it a blatant disregard for the safety and well-being of his body and others. But it, it <laughs> I watched so for Bleeding Blue, I, I you know Giants history podcast, I rewatched uh Super Bowl, I believe it was 21 uh, against the Broncos and there was a couple goal line stand plays where Carl Banks, I hate to be doing this right now, where you know Carl Banks um Harry Carson LT made a couple plays and particularly when Banks made some plays I was like, he just doesn't care about his own safety. Like he could snap his neck on this on his play, and he doesn't care because he's going balls to the wall. And Osai, every single play is going balls to the wall. Um, I'm I'm surprised how this entire Texas defense wasn't flagged for more like late hits and stuff like that. Um, because of how good of an athlete he is too, it, it makes his ability to play balls to the wall very smooth and natural. He has the bend and the speed off the edge. So he, he complements that balls to the wall mentality with naturally just very good athleticism. My plus category, he does have experience at interior linebacker, even though, like I said, Texas moved him solely to the edge spot for 2020. Um, I think he's just much more talented as an edge rusher and dropping back into coverage as an off-ball linebacker just wasn't his game. He's a violent player who can get to the QB at a good rate in the pros. He will have... He will have multiple forced fumbles per year because of how violent he is because he goes like a bat out of hell he's if he gets to the quarterback he's going to have multiple forced fumbles per year um three down player who logged a ton of snaps at texas my minus category i don't love him in the run game he has a little bit of a pass rushers mentality looking to get upfield versus setting an edge he finds himself on the ground too often that's something that my i go back to something my father would tell me in pop warner i always like to go back to this if you're on the ground you're not effective uh, that's both that is an offensive lineman and a, and a defensive lineman so he's on the ground a little too much 
He is fast, but not quick off the snap and needs to get a little better in that regard. There's a difference between being fast and quick. Overall, I need to hear what you, what you, what you have to say. Because I am ready to say this is a player where I gotta have it. This is gonna be my first gotta have it player. But I need to hear what you have to say before I give my like it, my 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 like it, love it, gotta have it rating. Interesting, because in my mock draft in the second round, he was there. So my my decision, you know, I mentioned like four or five guys, and my decision really was Deami Brown or Osai. And I think it's just I'm so high on Deami that I couldn't pass up on him. He has real pass rush moves and and the ability to get around the corner. You know, and we talk about you're, we're going to talk about a lot of these guys. Like they don't really have pass rush moves. You know, where it's like they can. You know, they either are like bull rush, bend the edge with speed, or you know, it's like one or the other with a lot of these guys. He has real pass rush moves and able to get around the corner. Um, that being said, Tevin Jenkins, who's a guy I like, the tackle at Oklahoma State, he bullied him. I mean, he straight bullied him all game long. But even in that, you mentioned like all the things you mentioned about him. He had two sacks in that game. He had two sacks and like multiple tackles for a loss. So even in a game where like the offensive tackle clearly won that battle, he balled out. Like he, he or didn't ball out, but he had like he had good production. So um, he's not in my gotta have it. But you know, like I said, he it was between him and Deami Brown for my second round pick in the mock. I'm giving the gotta have it stamp on him. I'm giving. I'm doing it. I love him. I he's honestly he is more fun to watch as a football player versus an edge rusher. Like I was just having fun. I may even watch after after we record this episode. I may even watch two more games of Joseph Sai because it's just so fun to watch him play. I have him fourth overall. So I I I, I my my top three are Gregory Rousseau, Quiddy Pay, and then the guy you're going to talk about next. So I won't spoil it. Um, but yeah, I, I like Osai a lot, and I I. I have those guys all very similarly graded. Um, different players, but similarly graded. So, Osai's a guy I like. Now, a guy who kind of reminds me a little bit of Osai, but also not. Justin, Jason Owe. Jason Owe. Defensive edge out of Penn State. We are Penn State. Six foot five, 252 pounds. In 2020, played seven games. Zero sacks. Zero sacks, six and a half tackles for loss. 2019 and 11 games, he had five sacks, five tackles for a loss. Cookie cutter frame for the outside linebacker spot, the New York Giants. Awesome. Awesome get off from the line of scrimmage. I mean, it's it's beautiful watching him get off the line of scrimmage. And you see he ran like a 4-3 something as pro day. Obviously, pro day 40s were not using. But the fact that they could at least fake it to him being in the 4-3s shows the speed he has. Like, he has elite traits. Elite traits. Um, sometimes I have a hard time turning the corner, though. Like, he'll win that get-off, but he just isn't able to get around the corner. Um, his hand strike is is pretty powerful. You know, he can put an offensive lineman on skates. Feet never stop moving. High effort guy, which is weird that he didn't get any sacks in 2020. Um, but, you know, he did get he did get them in 2019 a little bit. Um, good pad level. Um, needs to develop pass rush moves, man. This, that's a theme for this draft class on the top of this draft class. These guys don't have pass rush moves. You know, it's like they're relying on their athleticism or the strength they don't have pass rush moves so he needs to develop those pass rush moves uh and and like his hands his hands it's like his hands aren't even there you know it's like when he bull rushes his hands are there but like trying to get around the edge he's not he doesn't use his hands so um that's the frustration with oa like he's this athletic freak he might you know but he's just like we talk about rousseau's production it's like away is the exact opposite where it's like you yeah. kind of like his film but then you look at his stats and it's like zero sacks like, it's hard to explain away zero sacks. 
Five QB hits, too, and 171 pass rush snaps this year. Bobby, did he miss time, or is Penn State just, like, rotating guys? Because 350 snaps in twenty in 2019, he had 332 snaps. So, now, granted, he's a redshirt sophomore. He rotated sophomore. in 2019 because they had Grossmatos and, and Tony. So, he, two, yeah. how many did he have on in 2020? He had 347 snaps. That, he was playing 50 snaps. That's, that's pretty... That, those are those are good uh, numbers for a defensive end. All right, yeah. Raw, um, lot a lot of these guys in this draft. I mean, they're just they're just raw they're just raw talent. And, yeah, it's a weak uh, class. It's a weak class. <laughs> that's which a, is that's why we started with it it's because class. it's a need. Last year, last year we screwed up. Our first episode was like running back tight ends, and it was like, well, we know that's why we're doing it first. So this year we are doing. We are doing the edge first because it is a position we need. Um, and then we'll do running back tight end uh, next week. Even though running back is kind of a need. We only have two running backs. Um, but it's going to be all late round guys. All right, Justin, who's next on your list? Well, I got to tell you what. Some people are not going to be happy that I have him third. But I have him third. And this is genuinely this is genuinely out of players that I enjoyed to watch. Not necessarily a reflection of like who I think is the best player. Um, but players I enjoy to watch, which which kind of does translate to players who I think are good too. Jalen Phillips. Jalen Phillips from the University of Miami, 6'5", 266 pounds in 2020. He had eight sacks, 15 and a half tackles for loss, even had an interception in there. Three passes deflected, kind of good. Um, and 45 total tackles. He missed the entire 2019 season because he actually retired from football. He got into like some sort of like motor vehicle accident, whether he was like uh, on a scooter or something kind of bad. And he like retired from the game of football because he had a bunch of concussions. He had some other stuff wrong with him, but he came back. He came back to Miami. Glad he kind of came back because he had a really, really good year. Bobby, my plus plus category. He has a really tight swim and rip move. It's very, very picture perfect. It's beautiful. Yeah. There's like, there's a guy in my list, like Peyton Turner. I'm going to talk about how he has, it's very wide. He stands very tall and it's very, very wide. He puts his hand up to the air, and then you're susceptible to getting hit in the ribs and being swept out of the play. Jalen Phillips does not have that. It's very, very tight. Sometimes you can't even tell the difference whether it's a rip or a swim because it's so tight and it's so succinct. Um, so it's picture perfect. Another very aggressive player when rushing the passer, and it helps that he is super powerful and strong. He is built like a linebacker, Bobby, except he's almost 270 pounds, which is, in squ- which is insane. He's quite the specimen. I mean, he, he doesn't have an ounce of fat on him. He, he's, he's built like a brick shithouse. And that power shows up on film because he also complements it with the aggression similar to Asai. He's fast, he's strong, and he's aggressive, and it's an, all, and it ha- and it's an awesome combo. My plus category varies his pass rushing attacks. He isn't relying on speed or power to get home. He's versatile in that fashion. He improved as the season went on, which tells you the sky's the limit for this kid because he missed the entirety of the 2019 season. 2018, he was with UCLA, and I'm sure you know he wasn't getting a bunch of opportunities because he was still very young. So he improved as the season went on, which tells you that there is more room for him to grow. Um, in my minus category, injuries, 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 and a lack of old, and the lack of long term production. I mean, that's that is why Jalen Phillips. You can make the argument that is why Jalen Phillips is arguably probably going to be taken maybe middle to end of the first round instead of us talking about him being – us taking him at 11. If he doesn't um, have over, injuries, I am thinking – like he's he's top yeah. three with Slater, Parsons, and him for taking at 11. Yeah. 
Overall, on the Colts Stone Creamery scale, it's love it. And the reason why it's not got to have it is just because of the injuries. And it's such a very, very, very big risk. Yeah, I mean, he retired from football because of injuries. Yeah. You know, concussion, <laughs> ankle, wrist. Like, I agree with you, man. If he's If he was even had like a slight injury history, just slight, not major, he's edge one. But I have him as three because this, it is so risky to take a guy in the Giants. Like, it's one thing with with guys that are in the in their later years, but it's like a rookie. It's like this. There's the chance this guy like ends up playing like, you know, where it's like, man, this guy just never got on the field. You know, he played this this amount of games this year. It's the injury issues are super real, but yeah, if, if he's if he's um, healthy, I think he's edge one. Justin, we need to go quick through these last guys. How many do we yeah. have left? We got we have three, or six in total. Yeah, six in total. All right, so we are gonna we're gonna try and go faster. These guys, Justin, Ronnie Perkins, edge out of Oklahoma, six foot three, two hundred sixty five pounds, two thousand twenty six games, twenty three tackles, five and a half sacks, ten and a half tackles for a loss. Similar production the past uh, the two years before, but in in double the games. A speed to power rusher. I shared mm. the clip of him versus Tevin Jenkins, who has pliers for freaking hands, and he just made him look like a fool. Like, he went to school, he was such a fool. Speed to power. Um, strength to just, like, to just destroy dudes. And like I said, I'm, to the Tevin Jenkins rep is like, this is what this guy is is capable of? Um, he's not consistent getting around the edge, though. Like, he's not. Like, he, he'll win, but uh, he, won't, he won't get around the edge. So, like, offensive tackles will be able to recover from a good get-off. Um, not, he's adequate at setting an edge on the outside, you know, like he's not going to get blown up and he's, he's going to keep his feet moving, but he's better as a run defender shooting gaps, like just, you know, shooting gaps, jumping gaps. And, and he's actually pretty, he's pretty damn smart in it, you know, because in college you're seeing a lot of like play action, double play action, motion, all that type of stuff. Like you see a lot more in that college and he was able to like, okay, read it. I don't need to play. I don't need to play my edge on this one. I don't need to play my gap. I know it's time to jump, and he would make a tackle, um, which would be really timely. So uh, it's got really no coverage reps though. So if people and, and he has his he has his hand in the dirt a lot, but I I think he looks fine standing up. Um, but I don't think he would be someone you drop in the coverage. So yeah, a true speed the pass rusher and Ronnie Perkins. Ronnie Perkins, love it, love it, love it. We ready? Ready. Dalen Hayes, friend of the program. He actually, he actually is a friend of the program because yeah, not he only likes did he, us. not yet, yeah, not only did he come on the show, um, he follows both of us on social media, which is really, really cool. Dalen Hayes from Notre Dame, Notre Dame, 6'3", 270 pounds in twenty twenty. He had six tackles for loss, three sacks, an interception, pass deflection, and a fumble recovery, two forced fumbles, seventeen total tackles, twelve solo. That looks kind of bad but here is why the production is kind of low dalen hayes talked about like in his interview how notre dame is very much a rotation and that is exactly what notre dame had in 2020 and in just even every year notre dame has a has a decent amount of depth that pass rusher edge rusher defensive line and dalen hayes was part of that rotation my plus plus category versatility and a scheme for, for the giants now are we saying that Anybody who is an average pass rusher and decent in the run, are we just saying that they're a scheme fit for the Giants because they're not a great pass rusher? That's my worry with Dalen, <laughs> is that he is a jack-of-all-trades but master of none. That yeah. is my worry. But he is a perfect... But no, but he's... Here's why. Because he is someone at the Senior Bowl who really impressed me. There you you know? Like, and, and everything he did. They put him in coverage. He really looked good at that. 
you know, even on like one on ones and coverage versus tight ends. And like the especially in the run drills. It's like I thought he was dominating tackles. So like and then I, I listened to the McShay podcast after the senior bowl, um, to see what you know, just and he, he was like, I I see this guy going in the second round. Now Boom. Um I I'm not going that far. But yet I view him as a poor man's Aziz Ojulari. You know? It's, mm. it's but I, I do what worries me about him is like yeah he's like he's a great scheme like he is a great scheme for he had an awesome senior bowl but it's like it just it wasn't put all together at Notre Dame where it was like he never he never like popped off the screen so to me I like him but I'm not taking him day one or day two yeah I mean and, and now there's a reason why there are some places where I was seeing that he's projected in, in the range of like the fourth to the sixth round and that's where he fits that's where he that's where he's a good pickup because yeah. I think if the if you pick Here's where if the Giants pick him in the fourth round, he's playing year one. He's playing year yeah. one for the Giants, but I don't think he has the upside to take on and on in round three, round two. Yeah, and I like the comparison to Ojulari because he kind of has some pretty good get off. Um, he she showcased that good get off against Georgia Tech, where he had like two sacks and some more QB hits. He has a really cool spin move too. Doesn't solely rely on it. He runs stunts very well. Um, kind of professional. In the way that he runs stunts, he's kind of patient. Sometimes he's more aggressive than others. Um, lack of production. I, I, in my notes, I put him as like I put the the plus and the minus category together because Dalen Hayes is a friend of the program, and I didn't want to be mean because I can't give him solely a minus category. I will say wow, he you. is he's a smart. I'm I'm biased here. I I hope I do hope Dalen Hayes is a giant. He's very smart. Because he did something that players should do is he chose the best Giants podcast in the entire world and he went on it. So he knows how to get the fans' heartstrings tied to him, which now at least mine is. And I hope yours is too. Dalen Hayes is a good player. He's a versatile player. Um, he's worth a look in like rounds four through six. Like If he's there, That's I think you should good. definitely take him. That's yeah. where it's good. Dalen Hayes is, is a great – because he's good. He, like, he will make an impact for the Giants. He will play for the Giants – um, and in the first year, so that's where I like Hayes. The Warriors like, hey, he's not gonna like, like Chris Rumpf, who I I like. Who I'm gonna talk about who might be projected lower than him. Chris Rumpf, like this guy could turn into like a really a player that people like love. Yeah. Um, so that's my worry with Hayes. Um, is that speaking? Of I which, will you say should put the Brendan James interview on on Saturday. I feel like the interviews we've done, <laughs> we could put it out on Saturday. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, Jeremiah Owosu. Karamo- yeah, just call him Kar- J-O-K. J- J- uh, J-O-K. Um, liked him. He kind of popped out on tape, too. And Antetokounmpo Ogundeji, number 91 from Notre Dame. Um, yes. I also liked I-, I liked him, too, and he's projected to be like a, a seventh-round guy. So two other Notre Dame guys that I liked while watching Dalen Hayes. Very nice. Okay, Bobby. All right, next. Our third Miami guy, Quincy Roche, transfer from Temple. Justin, what 2020 undrafted free agent Played defensive end for the Giants. We didn't. He didn't make it out of camp. What what uh, defensive end played opposite side of Quincy Roche at Temple with him? I don't know. Dana Levine. Mm, My favorite Dana Levine moment was him tweeting out like, "Wow, they didn't like they rated me like a sixty-five on Madden." It's like, dude, you should be <laughs> just happy you're in the game. Like, cause you you're not gonna make the team. And he like didn't Daniel Jones get like the same rating of like sixty-five Madden. The Madden guy actually sucks. Like, and I I don't like him. And then he's like, "Oh, my job's hard." It's like, actually, you have 365 days to do this. Go spend time with beat reporters and talk about each player. Anyway, screw Madden. 
Um, they suck. Quincy Roche, six foot three, two hundred forty-five pounds. Uh, senior year at Miami, forty-five tackles, four and a half sacks, fourteen and a half tackles for a loss. At Temple, junior year, forty-nine tackles, thirteen sacks, nineteen tackles for a loss, um, and had good production his his sophomore and freshman year. Likes to two hand swipe, uh, similar to Ojolari. Loves that two hand swipe. Has good hands to keep offensive alignment off him. Um, smart read and react player. Like he's very smart. You can drop him back in the coverage. Um, and I, one college football game I did watch in season was him versus Clemson. Remember he had that interception on Trevor Lawrence, and then they called a penalty for offsides, even though it wasn't offsides or whatever. He had that. BS. Quincy Roche. I I I love Roche. He was actually the third round pick in my post-senior bowl mock draft because he impressed in my mock draft. You know, I, I write down a B minus, you know, C plus stuff. He was one of the, like the maybe 20 to 25 players I did pre-senior bowl. I had him C plus pre-senior bowl, post-senior bowl, bumped him up to a B minus um, because he was looking good. I mean, he was winning uh, against Alex Leatherwood, who's a guy, uh, offense tackle, a lot of guys like. Um, so good bend, not the best finish. Um, and he's smart. He understands stuff. He understands his gap, gap responsibility, how to play pulls. Um, but he just doesn't. He doesn't have like that good speed, like to get off the line of scrimmage. But I think he's a solid, a solid pass rusher. Next on my list. Thank you for your thank for thank you for Quincy Roche, Bobby Jordan Smith, Jordan Smith from Cutter. UAB in 2020. He had four and a half sacks. Nine tackles for loss, 41 total tackles. In 2019, a little bit more productive. Um, eight sacks, 14 and a half tackles for loss, 48 tackles. He had five games less started in 2020 compared to 2019. Jordan Smith, plus plus, awesome and active hands. He's not just relying on the same well-timed hand swipe too. He can time his attacks differently. His length and size is very unique. I should mention, I should mention, that Jordan Smith, did I even say? I didn't say his height and weight. My bad. 6'7". Six, 6'7". Six, seven. Six, seven. Six, six, seven, oh, me and you, here's oh, here where, we go. remember how much we got into every, almost every draft profile we did this last year. Do you remember? Yes. You would use their pro football reference height, and I would look up mm-hmm. their combine height. And pro football re- reference always has um, one, uh, one, one extra One inch. inch more. So I've been looking up their pro days to figure out their numbers. So I got them at 6'6". Six, six. I didn't think this guy had a. Did he have a pro day yet? I don't I know, but I have him up. listed as six six. So I'm just gonna. Right, I'm well, gonna say that I'm, I'm gonna assume I'm right. And I'm gonna assume that pro football reference is always college football reference is always correct and always tells the truth. Six yeah, seven six reference. six, two hundred and fifty five pounds. His length and size it's very unique, and he rarely ever is engaged with the man that is across from him <sighs> due to his length and active hands. Most of his reps end up with him being washed out of the play because of this, because he isn't directly when when he isn't involved in the direct result of the play. So what I mean by that is because he has the ability to, to call you know be at a good length away from the offensive lineman, be at a good length away from the guy that's across from him. Most of the time, he's just going to be swept away from the play and just swept wrong to the outside when he isn't involved in the end result of the play. My plus category, he has unique bursts off the line of scrimmage because of, it, because of his length. He doesn't look particularly fast or quick, but he has a decent burst because he basically just gallops, you know, such a long leg and it's such long strides. Pulled out a spin move against Rice that had the tackle on uh, skates. Like to see that. I love a good spin move. I'm a, a Robert Mathis growing up was fun to watch. Did not have a good game versus Miami. This is my minus category. Not a good game against Miami. And playing at UAB, inevitably, he did not face great competition. And he needs to develop more play strength. 
on my cold scone creamery scale, he's a like it. Yeah. He's got beautiful framing. Like you said, like he'll win, he'll win reps by not like, you know, engage rip. He'll just like juke players. You know? Yeah. Like it, it was, he's playing a totally different position at the end, but it's like, like I even, I sent you a clip when I was watching. It was like, watch him just kind of like, just shed this tight tight end with or this tackle without touching him, and then shed this fullback without touching him, and then make a tackle for a loss. And then, like you said, at six six two like two fifty five, um, he's got like beautiful size. He's got good athleticism. Um, but the, like you said, not playing well versus Miami worries you about him. I have him as a C with B plus ability. Um, also, got kicked out of Florida for a credit card fraud. Ooh! But there was a bunch of players. So I I if. You know, if someone's following the crowd, I can somewhat understand it, especially when you're like 18, 19 years old. So, um, Jordan, Jordan Smith. All right, Justin. Next on my list. I love this guy. Bang, bang. Duke gang. Chris Rumpf. Edge out of Duke. Six foot two, 244. 2020. 11 games played, eight sacks, 11 and a half tackles for a loss. 2019. 12 games, six and a half sacks, 13 and a half tackles for a loss. Great. Great, 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 great get off from the line of scrimmage and agility. And I put in parentheses, like, really good. Like, Nacho Libre, like, really good. Son of Bears, D-line coach Chris Rump, who was with the Texans before that, um, who I thought would be a candidate for outside linebacker coach for the Giants. Duke used him as a defensive end, but then they started using him in, like, a joker linebacker role, like Rover. And I was pretty interesting um, the way they did that. Because he's got, he's just awesome off the line of scrimmage and bending the corner. Like we talk about the draft class, the top of this class, Rumpf does stuff that some of those guys don't. Like, but Rumpf is looked at in the sixth round, and I'll, I'll explain why in a second. Um, unreal agility from going from outside in. He's got good counters, good pass rush moves. Um, shoots the gap when they do put him in that Joker role. He just shoots the gap every time. Go watch him versus Notre Dame, who has like an NFL O line, and he was he was embarrassing them. Because he was like stand up, move around, boom, boom, shooting the gap versus guards, shooting the gap versus guards, making them look silly. Um, flips his hips around the edge beautifully. Um, very quick, like his hands are so fast. You could tell that his dad's an NFL coach by how fast his hands are and how just ready for ready he is for anything. Going to embarrass an offensive lineman, but here is the downfall. One, he's small. He has a very small, skinny frame. And he gets dominated in the run game. If he's not winning with that first run, that move in the in the run game, he just gets moved. He gets made silly. You you know he he is bad in the run game where you could have big run play games in. Um, he can't set an edge. Like he is very bad in the run game. So you got to get creative with him. But like day three, like when we're doing our live streams on day three, and Chris Rumpf is there, I'm like, hey, Chris Rumpf, Chris Rumpf, Chris Rumpf, because he's. He's got stuff that the top of the class doesn't have, you yeah. know? Like, we mentioned all these top guys. He does stuff those guys don't. Um, and I even saw Bucky, Bucky Brooks has him as a top five edge, which is pretty interesting. I don't agree with him, but I understand why he has him there. So, Rumpf, man, like I said, you know, Joe Judge says, tell me what a guy can do, not what he can't do. Chris Rumpf is like, look at all that he can do, and let's make it yep. work. He's athletic and he was productive and Duke doesn't just play any slouches. You know, they, they play Virginia, you know, they played Notre Dame this year. They play Virginia, you know, they play Virginia tech, Georgia tech, uh, Miami, Florida state. Um, so he, he thrived and he did well in pretty good competition. He did it for two years. You know, he had two years, two years of solid production and he's a really good athlete. 
I love Rumpf, man. He's one of my draft darlings. Took him the sixth round of my mock. How about that? How about that? Justin, let's fin- finish it off, baby. Finish it off strong. Last player, Peyton Turner. Now, little caveat. We are not necessarily reviewing an interior defensive line spot, correct, Bobby Skinner? No, even though he's not, he's he's going to play D-line in the NFL. So that's why we, this is this is my interior defensive line draft review. This I one said player, I was going to do it, but I didn't do it. This one player, that this is it for Talking Giants, so you better enjoy it. Peyton D-line, Turner. no QB uh, preview. <laughs> Yeah, no interior D-line, no QB. We have like seven D-linemen we like right now. Peyton Turner, 6'6", 270 pounds from the University of Houston. In 2020, he had 10.5 tackles for loss, five sacks. In 2019, he had 3.5 sacks, 7.5 tackles for loss, 33 tackles in 2019, 25 in 2020. What's interesting about Houston, Bobby, um, what's what's interesting about the University of Houston is that they're a Houston is a city of losers. There you go. They are. Um, but what's interesting about Peyton Turner is he had very, very limited snaps in 2020. So I say five sacks. You're like, oh, yeah, he got a solid, you know, 400 snaps or so. And, uh, you know, maybe 170 of those were pass rushing, pass rushing opportunities. No, 200 snaps total this year before I believe he he suffered some sort of injury. Five sacks, which is kind of crazy production. Very physical. He keeps his legs and his feet churning and active in both pass plays and run plays, my plus category. He can play both outside and inside. Um, Even though he lacks speed and explosiveness for an edge, he is still very athletic. He made some really nice tackles adjusting his body mid-play to get to a ball carrier. He had a nice sack against Brady Christensen, I think that's how you say it, and Zach Wilson on a swim move uh, against uh, and Zach Wilson BYU. That's what school he goes to. He goes to that swim move a decent amount. However, because of how high he plays, I can see NFL so linemen high. punching him right in the ribs. I mean, he he plays very high. You know, the 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 age old saying in the NFL is lower man wins. Uh, Peyton Turner six six. So uh, when he plays high, you can you can see him. Um, he, he needs he to put his foot. Be- he needs he needs to put his hand on the ground. He looks like two different players when he's at a stand up out Ooh. on the outside and when he's got his hand on the ground. He he has to have his hand on the ground to be effective. Oh, look at that six six. Better have some uh, passes deflected if you're going to be playing that high. My minus category: lack of quality competition faced. He has a lack of speed and explosiveness, which is probably why he fits better in like that four down lineman system versus an edge rusher. And he plays a little stiff, like we said. My Coldstone Creamery scale. I like it. Very nice. And I liked our first draft episode of 2021. Appreciate you guys for sticking with us. We'll be back on Tuesday for running back. Now, we're going to be looking at the bottom of the class, you know, those guys in the round four to six, seven range because that's where the Giants will probably be picking that spot. But that I could very well see us pick a running back this year. We only have two on the roster. Only two on the roster with Saquon and Devontae Booker. So we'll see you on Tuesday. Appreciate you guys. Until then... Let's go Big Blue.